how many boxes need to be checked for the internet to be working correctly? Thousands. I mean, it's such a... You go through so many checkpoints when you have internet, it's ridiculous that it works at all sometimes. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview cable technician Frank Bartlett. And for this kind of generation's purposes, a cable technician basically means an internet technician, somebody that would set up larger businesses with the ability to have the internet and Wi-Fi and all that kind of stuff, which is definitely not as simple as having it for your house and does not just involve simply like flipping a switch and having the internet turned on. It's so much more complicated than that. And, um, in this interview for one of the first times probably ever on this show, although a lot of these topics blow my mind, you can actually, and, and it's not that long after that, uh, that intro portion that I just played of Frank talking about how complicated the internet is, but not that long after that, Frank's talking about how we're all kind of physically connected by the internet. And then I am trying to talk through that with him and my brain basically breaks while I'm trying to wrap my head around that and talk through that with him. And you can like hear my brain breaking as I'm trying to understand this concept of us being physically connected. So um, it's all really interesting and complicated and uh, kind of cool to know a little bit more about since the internet is such a uh, an integral part of everything that we do and an integral part of you listening to the show right now. So without further ado, here is Cable Technician. Frank, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. It should be some fun. Yeah, definitely, dude. So why don't we start out with uh, when you wrote me to talk about being a cable technician, like first of all, when you say cable technician, most of that nowadays is going to be internet related, right? Not television related. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's kind of moving towards the internet side of things and getting rid of cable. Okay. So like when we get internet at our houses, obviously a lot of the work that you do is not, you know, residential. It's going to be like on the industrial side. So when we get internet at our houses, it's pretty darn simple. Like you just call up Comcast or Time Warner, whoever it is. And they like, turn on the ability for you to have internet at your house and then you'll go and like buy a router they give you a router and boom you got internet and you can kind of more or less do it yourself it it, you know worst case scenario they'll just send over a guy to your house and he'll be there for like five minutes and set it up for you i very much assume that that's not the case for you (laughs) so like what happens in more of a business setting when a business needs to get internet um it's a little different for each business uh when you go to a house setting a lot of the the wiring is already set up in the house when they when they manufactured it or built it even um, if it was get, built a long time ago yeah um any of the old phone jacks you can actually run a lot of the internet they have now over it so you can actually plug into those or you can modify it so it actually works on the new on the newer uh equipment they have for the houses so they'll use um, either like a television cable outlet or a phone outlet or something like yeah. that and it, yeah coax coax is is what the internet runs over in in most houses which is a and, television one? Yeah, it's a television thing, but they actually they actually use it to run internet over as well, um, and that's how that's how most houses actually are wired up, and that's that's been put in most houses for a very long time. So most of the time, when a cable technician comes in from Time Warner or whatever, they can actually go in and just plug into that, and the whole house is wired up. Okay. Um, when you have a bigger building or a bigger business, um, the coax isn't really one. One two conductor coax cable is not going to cut it for, 
you know, 500 people. So they need to run a, a fiber optic cable generally to that building. And then they have equipment that we actually run our cable to inside of the building and distribute that between all the clients in the business. Okay, so a couple questions from that. One is just as a kind of aside for, for any of us at a house right now wondering this, like, are we able to get fiber optic internet at our house, which sounds a lot more badass than just like the cable coax <laughs> internet? Or is that kind of something reserved for businesses? I'm sure you've heard, but Google Fiber is like the one up and coming right now. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a lot of places are now able to get fiber. Time Warner Cable runs a fiber cable now. Um, a lot of these a lot of these internet companies, ISPs, will be rolling out fiber to a lot of different houses now because that's what people want. They want a faster, higher speed internet. You know, they can reach up to, to one to two gigs a second. Now, I imagine that the issue with that right now is just that the fiber, this fiber optic connection is not going out to these residential areas. Like it needs to be, I assume, put underground and like, yeah, out the, to the, residential the infrastructure area. is not there in a lot of the rural parts of the country. Like a lot of the cities have something called dark fiber, which is fiber that a lot of the bigger businesses put in when they moved into the city underground and the time Warner cable or whoever can actually buy or rent that fiber optic cable underground instead of running new ones because obviously if you try and run a new fiber underground you got to dig up a lot of things and you go through all that process with the permits and stuff so they are actually able to from what from my understanding you can actually rent those fibers and then distribute it to a building but again a lot of a lot of suburbs and stuff like that aren't really going to have that that infrastructure built in already so in order for a business to even be able to get these things they need to i guess be in a more or less like city like a metropolis of some kind. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, if you get if you get a bigger business, they can actually pretty readily pay just just pay the company to have them run a fiber optic cable to their company. It won't be a, a big deal for them. But that requires tearing up the street the entire way to whatever business they're building. Uh sometimes. <laughs> Okay, but so I assume then you're referring to like let's say let's say a Google or an Amazon or something wanted to make a big warehouse, you know, uh, twenty miles out from the city. Then Amazon mm-hmm. kind of has the money to go ahead and and lay the fiber optic cable the whole way to their new warehouse. Definitely. And I well actually now that I think about it, so then that's going to be a consideration for any big business is like, <laughs> do we want yep. to be closer to the city so that way we don't have to pay for this, or knowing that we're going to have to pay for this, do we want to move kind of further out of the city? 100%. Okay, cool. Interesting. Um, so, all right. So if if someone has a business and they have access to the ability to, to tap into one of these fiber optic lines, what are kind of the considerations that you have to make? What, what is your job from that point? Um, our job basically starts when Time Warner Cable runs that cable, their fiber optic cable or whatever, into the building. And they say, okay, this is as far as we're going to bring it. Uh, we don't have the resources to run it throughout the rest of the building. We don't have the, the permits or the, the safety specs or the certifications to go any further. So what they do is they call us and we go in and we talk to the customer and we find exactly what they want. They might have a certain amount of clients we need to run the internet to. They might have a, a certain machinery that needs to be internet capable. And uh, really what, it, what we end up doing is just going in the ceilings and running all sorts of cable throughout it and just making sure that you get internet wherever that customer wants. And in my machine, they might have a local area network where they need one person to connect to another one. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, we also do like cameras and stuff like that too. 
So if they need like a, because it's it's a pretty similar setup when you have a infrastructure for internet going back to one building. You also have, you obviously need a lot of cameras run to one main point. So we kind of we kind of encompass that when we do some cables as well. So there isn't any, so, all right. So it, the start of this process, Time Warner has run a like just basically a single fiber optic cable into this building for them, but it's like you know a twenty thousand square foot building that has like one cable going into it. So obviously that's not going to work. So you need to yeah. uh, make it so like each office and everything can access it. Now, why can't we just have some sort of like super powered wireless router that just gives Wi-Fi to everything in the entire place or like some sort of wireless router to wireless receiver to wireless router to wireless receiver? Um, wh- why do we still have to kind of do it the old fashioned way with wires throughout the entire building? Uh, basically, Wi-Fi is not strong enough to go through a lot of the materials that that make up a lot of the walls and if you have a lot of like if you're in a warehouse you obviously have a lot of shelving units that stack up you know 30 40 50 feet high and and they have stuff on them and you can't necessarily guarantee the the wi-fi to go through that all the time okay so right so they so they need something consistent so they run wires to every aisle or every room or every other room or every major you know hallway and they will we'll run that cable and they'll put a router on the end of that one, which obviously goes back to the main internet and then distributes it, you know, throughout the building. Okay, cool, man. So talk to us about some more of those considerations, I guess, that you need to be making throughout this whole process. Like, or I guess maybe like walk us through a job, um, like a, either a hypothetical job or like an actual job that you've done and, and some of the considerations that you have to make the entire time, some of like the obstacles that you have to overcome and like problem solving and stuff like that. Definitely. Uh, well, actually, right now we're working on a job out in Nashville, North Carolina, and we're working for a school system that w- that they're trying to put in a new uh, wireless system for all the students and the teachers. So right now they have a they have where the internet comes in the building, and then they have that distributed to smaller sections that we're hooking up our routers to. So we need to run cables to these. It's called an IDF. Um, an IDF is the intermediate distribution field and that's like a a smaller case or a rack that connects back to the main mdf the main distribution field back in wherever the internet comes in the building so they have little sections that make it so you can so you can run you have to run wire as far and they might have fiber optic connecting the mdf to the idf so you get the same speeds coming from that as coming straight into the building so we'll run our cables through the hallways in the ceilings to each of the classrooms so when we're doing that, we have to take into consideration the uh, the support because you have to support the cable every so many feet. Um, so that's a that's a big part of it, so that the cable doesn't get you know you can't really have a cable swinging out in the middle of the hallway because you know someone might hit it or it might get you know ruptured if someone if some like breeze comes by because a lot of the ceilings they use uh, air conditioning they actually use the above the ceiling tile to distribute the air. Mm-hmm. So if you have that swinging around a bunch, you might end up rupturing the cable, and then we have to come back and fix it anyways. So, and also there's there's certain standards and and codes to how much you how often the cable needs supported, just as if it was electrical. Um, so we'll run the cable. We have to we have to put a hole in the wall sometimes. We have to, you know, put a sleeve in so the cable doesn't get rup- doesn't get broken on the on a sharp edge of a pipe. Uh, and then we'll have to bring it in and make a, a service loop, which is a pretty standard size, you know, five, 10 feet so that if there's an issue, they can, they can go back up and put in their end on it. Um, but basically we'll put the cable in, run it wherever we need to in the building. 
we'll put a, a jack on the end of it, which is what the little thing is you plug your, your internet cable into, pretty standard, 8-pin um, connector. And then they will just leave it there, and they'll come in. The IT department is coming in, and they're putting up the routers, and they're, they're programming them so that they know where they all are in the building so they can talk to each other a little bit and make sure everyone's not trying to use the one, one router. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, would so not that, be good. It get a little complicated. So, you know, if you have if you have 50 students trying to run off one router, it's going to get a little crowded up. So they they want to kind of distribute that throughout a couple of them. So as far as so it sounds like as far as um uh like the cable company will go is to just give them give any business like a single um fiber optic cable. Then you take it up to the point of getting this fiber optic cable uh safely and competently throughout this entire building but then you yes. leave it up typically to the business's own IT department to actually plug those into routers and decide how they want to set everything up yeah generally we don't touch any of the switches or the routers or anything like that because that's something the IT department is very particular about and if we start messing with that we might uh I don't want to say mess it up but we might not set it up the way they want it specifically so Man. but we 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 have been known to put in some equipment and, and set up racks and stuff like that, but it's not, we don't generally do that. Okay. It's so interesting. Like, f first of all, I imagine that your job is like a little bit different every time and that there's a big, like, um, I don't know, like problem solving portion at the beginning oh, like, yeah. where, where you show up to a I building <laughs> and you do a big walkthrough of like every building uh -huh. and just kind of think like, you know, you're trying, you're trying to like lay I it out in your head, like an architect like or something. That. Exactly. That's cool, man. First of all, that's really cool, and it must keep the job like nice and fresh for you. But second of oh, all, definitely. it's interesting like how it just goes to show you, and I'm sure there's so many things in life like this that we just take for granted. You know, like when I go to the airport, and you know, an airport's like as big as a building can get, I just assume mm -hmm. that they're going to have Wi-Fi. You know, like, yeah. and I've never considered like, how the hell am I getting Wi-Fi right here in the middle of this giant <laughs> ass place? And meanwhile, it's also not like as I walk through that airport, I'm disconnecting and reconnecting to several different Wi-Fis as I keep on walking throughout this entire building. I'm like connected to one single Wi-Fi the entire time, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And that's yeah, basically gets, all because of you. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Exactly. Um, interesting, man. So I guess talk to us about like some of those considerations that people like me would never make that you need to make just to be sure that the internet is going to work. Um, well, it'll start off with, uh, an engineer and they'll kind of map out where they think the Wi-Fi needs to go. They'll do a thing called a heat map where they, where they might potentially need a lot of Wi-Fi. And that kind of gives you an idea of where the more crowded areas are and, and how and how well the Wi-Fi will reach in certain areas. Um, so we'll go in and we'll do a walkthrough and we'll kind of figure out, okay, well, we need to put a router here. How are we going to get to the spot? You know, there might be a ceiling we can't really access or a wall we can't get through or, you know, sometimes we have to run it underground or sometimes we have to run a piece of conduit to get it to that specific area. So a lot of times you're, when you do a walkthrough, at least a, in my position, you have to consider... You know, is this wall made of concrete? Is this wall made of, you know, drywall? Um, is this guy's desk going to be in the way? Is that ceiling tile going to break if I open it? You know, is this is the ceiling above the ceiling tile, you know, enough space to put something in? Um, where can we hang support, put the cables? You know, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that comes up. And 
have you ever been on a job from the start? Like, have you ever been contracted by a company before the building is even built, I guess, or while it's oh, being built? Definitely. Yeah, actually, we get all sorts. So we'll get, uh, we'll get new construction and we'll get renovation. So new construction is, you know, when the, when the frame of the building is being put up, we can come in and we can put our support in because we might need a big, a big, it looks like a big tray and we can run cable on it. It's dedicated for our cable. And it's just for us, and we, we use it to support the cable properly and to make sure that no other no other trade in that building is going to have access to that cable so they can't, you know, mess it up or, or move it or anything like that. So we'll go in and do, you know, from the ground up and, and start putting cable in. When you're involved from the very start like that, like how much easier is your job than when you're trying to retrofit a building that where these considerations were not made? Uh, they definitely both have their own advantages and disadvantages. Uh, a lot of times... We'll put up something, and then they'll change something, so we have to either go back and fix it, or they won't tell us, and they'll just cut our cable or do something with it where we can't access it anymore, and then we're kind of have to find another way around that. <laughs> and then, obviously, when you're retrofitting, you're, you're working around existing stuff, which can be built up over years and years and years of other contractors going in and adding stuff to it, you know, putting more cable in or whatever else. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about some more of the aspects of this job or, and the things related to this job. So, first of all, what like where are we at with internet speed? What is like the future of internet speed? What do we need to get there? Like, what's going on with all that? Uh, internet speeds. I'm hoping will be around a gigabit a second a household pretty pretty soon. That's that's what everyone's kind of shooting for. That's where the fiber kind of comes in. The fiber optic you can you can get speeds like that pretty easily. The only thing about that is the equipment and the, the fiber itself is, is pretty expensive. So we're going to have to build an infrastructure around that, obviously. But uh, you'd be surprised at the speeds that businesses get right now. They're probably down to what you get in the house or less than that most of the time, just for the sheer size and the amount of people that are going there trying to split the internet between them. Okay, that's what I was going to say. So if let's say, so how much theoretically, how much data can go? Well, first let's start with a coax cable in a house. Like how much data can go over a coax cable? Um, theoretically you can, you can probably go to hundred meg a second, but the standard is about 10 meg, 10 to 20 megabits a second. Now when the cable company, because obviously they have different packages that you can pay for to like upgrade your internet. Mm -hmm. When does it, does it, it, is that just a thing of like them wanting to get more money or is there anything more? Uh, difficult, I guess, for them in upgrading your internet, or like if you go up to a hundred, is that like somebody else cannot go up to a hundred because you went up to a hundred? Um, it it depends. Uh, the infrastructure that a lot of the cable companies have will handle pretty easily whatever you want. Um, it's it's as easy for them to just click the enter key on a keyboard and you have, you know, hundred meg, hundred meg or 10 meg or 60 meg, or they can, they can choose that very easily. And it's, it's not, really, it's not somehow like limiting their entire system then or anything, no. or, you know, making things more difficult on them. Not, not generally. I mean, if you have, you know, a hundred thousand people on one server, it might get a little interesting, but that's, that's up to them to, you know, upgrade their servers and stuff like that, because that's what the people want. Okay. And now what about for uh, like fiber optic going into a building? What is the like absolute fastest that fiber optic can theoretically handle? <laughs> uh, infinite. There's, we have not found a limit yet, really. 
Get the hell out of here! So how? Why were you saying that uh, that fiber optic cables then will like in a in a large warehouse they'll be experiencing the same speeds as someone at their home? Because of the equipment attached to the fiber optic cable. Oh right, of course. That's what limits it. So you have this amazing travels. connection, but you then have the, it connected to some like old school hardware. Exactly. <laughs> Son of a gun, dude. I can't believe we're not like ramping this shit up quicker than this. This is it's, it's crazy. It's expensive. It's very expensive to, to run fiber optic cable. Huh. What like what talk to us about the cost of that? Um well obviously the cost of the glass, because it's you know it's glass cable, you have to manufacture it very high specifications. You know, you got a lot of you have very low tolerance when you're making that kind of stuff, so that gets expensive. And then you have the equipment which needs to, you know, obviously read light, which is hard to do. So, you know, if you want it to read faster or slower, that's going to cost, you know, more just to get the equipment to work like that. Yeah. And then the installation, too, you have to, and, you know, not everyone can run fiber optic cable because they're not really as, you have to be pretty gentle with it for the most part. I mean, you can't whip it around like a piece of metal. You know, it's it's obviously glass. You have to be pretty careful about putting it in. So you need some kind of higher-end technicians to know what they're doing. And, you know, there's certain bend radiuses that you can you can put in so that it doesn't break but still, you know, gets the right transfer speeds and stuff like that. So yeah. you have to be up to date on all that stuff so you don't, you know, absolutely break the cable and, you know, you run it correctly. And and then the the ends you put on it, obviously, to when you put a termination on the end of a piece of fiber, it has to be perfectly flat. So you have a special tool you need to be certified to use to make sure that that cable is perfect and clean and, you know, is as flat and as perfect as you possibly can get it so that the machine can read it as efficiently as possible. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Otherwise, the light is going to bend as it's coming out of there and, yeah, give you a poor signal. Yeah. Man, it's interesting the way that technology is coming out now. That You know, we've had fiber optic for a while, and yet we still do not have hardware that is able to read it efficiently. And it's like now we have all of these 4K TVs and stuff coming out, and meanwhile, there's no 4K... <laughs> uh like data like there's you know like that no like there's not 4k cable or anything and yet we yeah. everyone's like buying these 4k tvs uh it, it's funny that are that some of these things are coming out so long before their counterparts you know like we have half of the technology needed to make everything work really well yeah no we have a lot of the technology to go for higher speeds i mean you can get 10 20 you know 100 gigabit a second speeds it's just no one is able to pay that much, you know, on a on a commercial level to to make it efficient. What would the cost of something like that be? Do you even know? I they won't tell us. <laughs> it is pretty high. I mean, you can get between everything if you want like a hundred foot run, you know, going point A to point B with the equipment. It could be you know a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit of broader scope uh, since I got you on the line. Uh, I've never really been able to ask anyone this before. Uh, like, what does it take for me to have internet working? Like, what does it take for us to be having this Skype call right now? Um, Ooh, that's complicated. <laughs> yeah, like how many things need to go right, I guess. Like, all I know is like when my internet's not working and I get irritated, you know? Cause it's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. The internet's not working. But like how many how many boxes need to be checked for the internet to be working correctly? Thousands. I mean, it's such a you go through so many checkpoints when you have internet, it's ridiculous that it works at all sometimes. So you're in San Francisco, right? Yeah. So you have you you might have Comcast or Time Warner Cable as your main as your internet provider. So 
let's say, let's just, for instance, say you, you use Comcast. I'm not sure if they're even out there, but let's say you do. So you have a line going from your house to a box in the middle of the street or on the end of the block that goes from there to your house with a cable. It's probably a coax cable. And then from that box, it might turn into fiber that runs all the way down the end of the block to another even bigger box that, you know, that distributes internet to your whole inter- to your whole neighborhood. And then from there, you probably have another piece of fiber that goes and goes back to a main, to a data center that is owned by Comcast or rented out by Comcast or whatever. And then from there, it needs to go and goes through all this machinery to, you know, you know, separate all the different users out so that they don't get, you know, confused. And then it goes from there to, I don't know how many different buildings and how many different servers across the country. But either way, there is a direct line somehow or another between you and me that goes all the way back. And then you have to switch over when you have different providers. So obviously Comcast needs to work with the Time Warner guys so that they can, you know, obviously make a connection between you and me. That goes all the way back to where I am right now in a hotel that's using Wi-Fi. So it's it's all these different... It, there's more or less just a, a direct line in one way or another going between me and you. So, right all right. That's so interesting. I have so many questions about that then. So first of all, what if, what if you're talking on Time Warner and I'm talking on Comcast, then how is it that we can talk? Cause obviously Time Warner and Comcast are, you know, aren't going to share a line as it were. Yeah. They're just going to, they're going to tough it out and they're going to share a line pretty much. Oh, <laughs> more really? Or less. Yeah. They're going to, I'm not, I'm not, super fluent in the logistics of that but uh they they at some point one or another have a have a main building they can talk to each other with god those buildings must just be absolutely insane now also what'll happen is you also have like the skype server obviously that's you know running through all our our information that's transferring between the two of us right so more than likely they're just talking they're both talking to that server and just uploading and downloading information to that server and then it's just your internet provider's picking up, going to your house. Mine's picking up to go to this hotel, you know. And then just it's just on the it's just on that server, and they're both accessing it at the same time. It's all in the cloud, man. It's just all yeah, in the cloud. Exactly. Crazy. So I guess also in the example that you talked about before, well, I guess more to to what you were saying about being physically connected is that yeah, nowadays as long as as long as the two hubs are able to talk to each other over, but I guess somewhere the internet all needs to be physically connected to each other some way, somehow. Yeah, Is even, that correct? Even like across seas, they even have, you know, under undersea cable that they run the whole length of the Pacific ocean or whatever. And they'll just pop on both sides of the, on the land. And then there's just a big hub that it goes into to connect to the rest of the country. How is that even possible? I can't even fathom that. Uh, like Lots my, <laughs> my brain just like can't handle so much stuff. Like I still don't even know how a fax machine works, and we don't even use fax machines anymore. And I never <laughs> got to figure it out. You know, like it's just crazy, man. Um, sorry, go ahead. I guess I guess it's I, it, it gets a little bit easier when you realize that. I mean, you probably didn't know this, but you know, you have ones and zeros. It's just on and off. So if you have electricity on or off, it's representing a one or zero. Same thing goes with light. It's just a lot faster than going through you know a piece of metal. It goes through a piece of glass. So you're just reading a bunch of ones and zeros on both sides. It's just incredible to think that we're actually, that the whole world is actually physically connected by cable in some way. Yeah. 
like that that idea is unbelievable to me like who what businesses had the a money to do that b like cared enough to obviously there's a lot of money to be made so you know i guess they should care but um <laughs> i mean my god it's just it's crazy like the, to think the undertaking of doing something like that well that's that's where a lot of the i guess you could say some of the problems come with with internet right now is that you have a lot of existing infrastructure we're trying to work around so i guess in the beginning you had you know interbuilding connections so you'd have one computer talk to another that was that was pretty simple then you had one building talk to another building and i was a little more complicated because you had to run cable outside and then down the down the road and yada yada. And then it gets more complicated when you run to, you know, you have big server fields that handle all this data and transfer to another part of the country through some more cable. And that's just, but you also have all these advancing technologies and no one's really taken out the old stuff a lot of the time. So you're working around, you know, 40-year-old cable when you're running cable sometimes. Hmm. And you just got to either take it out or work around it depending on what the, com- the customer wants and it can actually turn into a bit of a hazard in some places. And and then you get a lot of, we've actually done uh, server refreshes where we'll take a server that no one's touched for, I don't know how long, you know, 10 years really, except for to plug in some patch cords and, you know, just move some internet around a little bit. But we'll go in and we'll, we'll tidy that all up. We'll get rid of the old stuff. They're not using any of the old equipment and put in new stuff. And, you know, it's just, it gets really time consuming. And that's where a lot of the cost comes from. From a lot of this stuff is just the, the, the pure size and the, just the amount of technology you have to work around to do the simplest test. Yeah. I would imagine it sounds like whatever the worst piece of equipment is in your entire setup, everything is going to be running to that standard. Like you could have a, the greatest cables of everything or like, um, a great connection or a great this, like, and like nine out of the 10 pieces could be great. And if one out of the 10 pieces is not good, Every single thing is then going to be not good just because the one piece is not good. Absolutely. And that's you run into that a lot of times too, where you have a customer who wants the top of the line cable and the top of the line equipment, and then he'll use a, a really bad cheap patch cord because he wants to save a few pennies, and then all of a sudden that's all throttled down because of that one little piece of equipment, and then you just wasted all that money. Man, just that- to just to have that slow speed. Yeah, that's got to be... And then they're wondering what's happening. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating on your end. I imagine people bitch a lot about stuff like that. Oh, definitely. It always comes back to us, too, just because we're the last guys to touch. Yeah, of course. Talk to us about having a blue-collar job in society today. I That's something that just continues to disappear more and more. And for me, it's something that has always sounded very appealing or i guess it's not something that sounded appealing to me when i was younger um like Mm -hmm. i always wanted a white collar job when i was younger but after having a white collar job for several years and getting a little bit older and i'm sure a lot of people with white collar jobs feel this way there's something kind of like romantic about a blue collar job of having these actual things that you do you know (laughs) like um there's nothing subjective about whether or not you did a good job today you know, it's like there's these actual tasks and you complete mm-hmm. them and then it's done. And you watch, you very physically watch the job move from step to step to step. So yeah. I guess talk about, is, is that something that you ever think about? Like, and just what it's kind of like having a blue collar job in today's society? Um, well, I will tell you, it's it can be a little bit of both because you do get in some of the politics of some of these companies trying to, you know, spend the money and you got you to gotta actually look at a lot of paperwork sometimes. But you are right. A lot of the physical tasks can be pretty rewarding. 
um, you can get into a building, you, you know, you have, you walk up to a, or you drive up to a building and you got, you know, 30,000 feet of cable sitting in the back and you're wondering how this is going to possibly get done. And you're just sitting there with one other guy talking about how, you know, you're going to put this J hook up here. You're going to, you know, screw this section of this section. You're going to run this cable through the sleeve. You're going to put sleeves here. You're going to fire stop and do all stuff. And then, you know, day by day, you're looking at this crazy task, you know, get done one little bit of the time. And at the end of it, you're like, did that just happen? <laughs> did we just finish all that? Like it's, it's, it's very rewarding sometimes looking at your own work. That's cool, man. That's awesome. So I was going to ask you next about like the best and worst parts about your job. So we're going to go ahead and check the box for best is just like the sheer reward of, of looking at your work and everything. What's one of like the not so good aspects about what you do? Well, I definitely want to add to the, the best parts of the job is I've, I always get to do something new every day. Everything is a new challenge. Everything is just nothing's ever the same the next day, no matter what. It's pretty awesome. Cool. So I never really get bored. But uh, worst aspects, probably just dealing with some of the the people that, you know, you, you might get a, a worker that comes in that bloats about knowing every possible thing in the book, and then you, you give him a task, and, you know, he just causes 10 more hours of work for you. That's so funny. So basically the, the instances where your blue collar job blends into also being a white collar job is when it starts to suck. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, man. Frank, dude, thank you so much. This is really interesting and uh, certainly opened my eyes to the how I should feel very fortunate to like even be having this call with you right now and that I shouldn't be so irritated when my internet's not working <laughs> just perfectly. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. Hey everyone, it's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting, or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on this show then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care.